even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolfbane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. Hello, boils and ghouls and fellow weirdos, and welcome to another episode of the CBUS Paranormal Paracast. As always, I'm your host, Jonathan Robson, and this will be a special Halloween edition of the Paracast, as well as the Season 2 finale. For this month's episode, I wanted to take a look at a lesser-known Ohio legend and possible cryptid, the Defiance Werewolf, based out of Defiance, Ohio. While this creature certainly has its pack of fans, for the most part it doesn't get the coverage of some of its cryptid counterparts. For many people, the concept of a werewolf is a bit far-fetched, for myself included. And typically, the iconic classic Universal monster movie, The Wolfman, will come to mind. But what if there was suddenly a seven-foot, wolf-like, fanged, hairy beast docking your town at night? Perhaps you might start second-guessing yourself and your instincts a bit. And in 1972, in Defiance, Ohio, that's exactly what transpired when the lines of fiction and reality started to blur for its residents. A number of alleged werewolf sightings and attacks on the city's residents would lead the community into mass hysteria and werewolf fever, and eventually, the reports of this hairy beast would also emerge from other areas of the state. Before I begin today's story, if you like the show, please remember to like and <laughs> subscribe to our social media platforms or visit our official website at cbusparanormal.com. You don't want to become an unaware wolf, and it's the best way to stay up to date with the show and our team. That being said, it's time to prowl the streets of small town Ohio and sink our fangs into the strange tale of the werewolf of defiance. To start this episode off, I think it's important that we discuss some of the origins of werewolf stories. Obviously, werewolves are a staple of our modern pop culture from films, television, and literature. But how did we get here? Well, it's complicated. While some individuals might think the creature was first referenced in the medieval times or more recent years, it actually goes back much further. From what I've read, the earliest surviving example of a man-to-wolf transformation can be found in the Epic of Gilgamesh from around 2100 BC. However, our modern version of the werewolf seems to have first appeared in various ancient texts in Greece and Rome. Most werewolf stories in general are based around an individual that's either bitten by a werewolf and later becomes one, or was changed into the creature by some magical method. According to these legends, werewolves are humans usually stuck in an uncontrollable curse that causes them to transform into a beast under the full moon. Naturally, some of our cryptid listeners might also point out that other reported creatures, such as the Dogman or Skinwalkers, have similar types of features and stories. From the creature's dog or wolf-like appearance, or claims of transformation, for the sake of not causing more confusion, I'll be sticking to the classic werewolf for the most part on this episode. But for the sake of conversation, skinwalkers, according to Navajo legend, are shape-shifting witches that disguise themselves as animals, wolves included, and some individuals try to force these entities into popular related legends and stories. So take it for what it's worth. However, I will be talking more about the dogman encounters a bit later in this episode as well, as it's more closely related to our story today. 
So now that I've profiled the beast, let's talk a little bit about Defiance Ohio itself. Obviously, with a name like Defiance, it has to have its own interesting story, right? The city itself was named after Fort Defiance, the site of what is now Fort Defiance Park. It was a historic fort located near the Aglaze and Maumee Rivers, and was built around 1794. At the time, General Matt Anthony Wayne was leading United States forces against the area's Native American tribes, towards the end of the Northwest Indian Wars, which happened from 1785 to 1795. General Wayne named Fort Defiance to signify the settlers' defiance of the local natives, and it would be utilized as Wayne's base of operations after the Battle of Fallen Timbers. At one point, he was quoted as saying, I defy the English, Indians, and all the devils of hell to take it. After the Battle of Fallen Timbers, Wayne would order the destruction of all nearby Indian villages and crops within a 50-mile radius of the fort. In the early 1810s, William Henry Harrison would also utilize the fort for his attacks against the American Indians and also used it as a staging area for attack against the British in the War of 1812. In 1817, the Native Americans in the area would relinquish their claim to 4 million acres of land in northwestern Ohio, including defiance by signing the Treaty of the Maumee Rapids. Present-day Defiance, Ohio was then founded at the fort's location in 1822. So while there are quite a few dark facts related to the city's founding, this information is important in relation to the history of Defiance itself. The story of today's creature has survived for over 50 years since the original reports. While some Ohioans still remember when werewolf fever ran rampant in the 1970s, for the most part, it's been lost to history. Outside of the original newspaper articles, there honestly isn't much evidence that remains from these original encounters, which in turn has led to plenty of speculation and retellings of the story, which has often been told with inconsistent details likely used for theatrical and entertainment effect. From what I've researched, the first encounter of the Defiance Werewolf happened at around 4 a.m. in the morning, on July 25, 1972. The first of many newspaper articles that I'm going to read from today came from the Crescent News on August 2, 1972. It states, Horror movie, now playing on 5th Street. Defiance police, possibly armed with silver bullets and sharpened stakes, <laughs> how witty, are on the lookout for a wolfman who on three occasions has accosted persons near the Norfolk and Western Railroad tracks in the vicinity of 5th Street and Swift & Co. Two of the incidents occurred last week and one last night. None has happened during a full moon. According to the Defiance Police Department, one man was attacked and struck on the shoulder with a 2 by 4 however managed to get away from the assailant. Two other attempts on residents, both men, have not been successful so the department can't say if the motive is robbery or just to scare people. No one has reported neck bites. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> he, she, or it is described as very tall with some kind of animal head. Police Chief Don Breckler today said if anyone sees the subject, they should not attempt to apprehend him, but call the police department immediately, giving a description and a direction in which he's heading. The attacks have occurred during the early morning hours, from 1.30 a.m. to 4.20 a.m. before sunrise. I'll continue with another article from the Crescent News the next day, on August 3, 1972. Wolfman reports persist. The shadow of the Wolfman stalked defiance again last night. Three persons near hysteria sought police protection from the thing, although they never saw it. 
At 1.24 a.m. today, a man came into the police station to report that something had followed him on foot from Dietrich and South Clinton Street to the Hotel Henry. He indicated that he didn't see anything, but knew it was there because he had a crawly feeling up the back of his neck. The police report said the man was near hysteria and spent the remainder of the night in the lobby of the hotel. About 10 minutes later, a Northside resident called police saying her lady friend was at her house almost in hysterics. She had read about the thing and was scared to death. She requested that officers talk to her, and she told them at about 2 a.m. every day, somebody rattled her doorknob. Police have been looking for a person who has attacked one man and attempted attacks on two others near the Norfolk and Western Railroad track in the vicinity of 5th Street and Swift & Co. The assailant's been dubbed the Wolfman because he's said to wear some type of animal mask. Police have not determined if the motive is robbery or if he's just wanting to put on a fright act. And the Crescent News had one other report on August 4, 1972. One Wolfman report logged. The Fiance Police Department received only one report of a possible excursion by the Wolfman last night. A Northside resident, according to the report, called police saying she had heard scratching at the door. And if anything came through it, I'll shoot it. <laughs> well, that was shortened to the point. So while the Crescent News reports provided us some interesting and important information, they also didn't provide as many details as I'd personally prefer. And at times... It almost seems to make fun of the story and the situation at hand, which I'm sure the attacked and stalked witnesses likely didn't appreciate. <laughs> the following article is from the Toledo Blade, August 2nd, 1972, and it provides a lot more information on what transpired during this very chaotic time frame. Werewolf case and defiance not viewed lightly by police. Chief cites concerns over reported sightings of a large beast attack. Defiance, Ohio. Some people here are jokingly referring to it as the case of the werewolf, but Defiance police are serious about it. Three persons have told police that they saw a large beast that resembles a werewolf lurking along the railroad tracks near downtown Defiance in the last week. In each case, he was spotted during the early morning hours, and one man, a train crewman switching trains, said that he was approached from behind and was struck on the shoulder with a piece of 2x4 lumber. But when he ran, the werewolf also disappeared into some nearby brush. In other reported incidents, the werewolf was seen by another train crewman at about 3 a.m. Police say the third report came from a motorist who said it ran in front of his car at about 4 a.m. and then quickly disappeared. We don't know what to think, Police Chief Don Breckler said. We didn't release it to the news media when we got the first report about a week ago, but now we're taking it seriously. We're concerned for the safety of our people. Chief Breckler said that the descriptions given by the three persons, police are not giving their names, are similar, but he admits that in each case the description is vague. Very hairy is the first description given by each person who saw the werewolf. The chief said that he thinks that a person is wearing some sort of disguise such as a mask, but there's a lot of natural hair too, he said. I'm inclined to think that it might be a local person, Chief Breckler said. None of the other area towns have had anything like this, and in each case he's been seen in the same area of our town. Chief Breckler said that the creature wears dark clothing, and at first reports described him as ranging from 7 to 8 feet tall, but that was a little exaggerated, the chief said. Well, that was an odd statement, considering he'd never seen the creature in question. I take it for what it is. Two of the trainmen reported seeing the werewolf work in the area during the early morning hours. Both of them are from Toledo. The third complaint came from a local grocery store employee, Breckler said. If his motive is robbery, then he's not picking on the type of person that would have a lot of money. 
We don't know what his motive is. A railroad agent at the North and Western Depot on 5th Street here said that the switching crewmen from Toledo are the only persons that have spotted the werewolf. The agent did not identify himself and said that none of the other crewmen in the area seemed disturbed by the reports. We don't think it's a prank, Chief Breckler said. He's coming at people with a club in his hand. We think it's to the safety of our people to be concerned. Creature described as having fangs. Two North and Western brakemen interviewed at the railroad's Summer Street Yard today said that the creature had huge hairy feet, fangs, and ran from side to side like a caveman in the movies. Ted Davis and Tom Jones, crewmen on the North and Western local freights, which serves Defiance on an overnight run, said the large figure, which they said was between six and eight feet tall, had appeared twice under the full moon. When we leave here, the moon is usually about a quarter full. But around 4 a.m. when we're working Defiance, the moon is full, Davis explained. The creature was first seen July 25th, and then again last Sunday, both men said. When he first confronted Mr. Davis, the creature ran away before Mr. Davis could say anything. I was connecting an air hose between two cars and was looking down. I saw these huge hairy feet, and then I looked up and he was standing there, with a big stick over his shoulder. When I started to say something, he took off for the woods. Both Mr. Davis and Mr. Jones saw the blue jean-clad figure again Saturday morning in the yards. The creature was standing in some weeds near the main track. At first I thought the whole thing was a big joke, but when I saw how hairy and woolly it was, that was enough for me, Mr. Jones said. He had laughed at Mr. Davis earlier in the week, but said that when he could account for all the railroad workers at the time, he knew it was not a crewman's joke. When the werewolf took off, Mr. Jones said he and Mr. Davis also heard screams from a car stopped on a nearby road. That thing's going to hurt somebody someday, he said. So let's break this article down a bit. As it stated, the first sighting occurred on July 25, 1972 by Ted Davis when he was trying to connect an air hose in between two train cars. Apparently, the werewolf was holding a 2x4 and struck Davis before he could react and ran off. <laughs> And then less than a week later, on July 30th, 1972, Ted Davis again saw the creature, but this time another worker, Tom Jones, also seen it with him. The beast apparently fled after he realized he had been spotted and ran across the road in front of him. Shortly after, Jones and Davis would hear screaming from a car that was stopped nearby. (laughs) One of the common misconceptions about this story is that these sightings occurred during a full moon, which is incorrect. For our scientific folks out there, the moon was in its waxing gibbous phase during the first sighting, which might have appeared full to those below. But let's be honest, that concept in its own right just added to this typical werewolf story. So I can see how it's been added to some of the retellings and sightings over time. It also didn't help crewmen reporting the story appeared to have their own idea of what a full moon actually is, which is scientifically incorrect. Perhaps the crewmen were just trying to make their own accounts appear more credible at the time. Meanwhile, the people of Defiance were trying to wrap their heads around the reported sightings. While some residents believed, others were still convinced it was likely a local resident that was trying to scare people. The following newspaper article appeared in the Toledo Blade, August 4, 1972. Monster on Wrong Track. Defiance Resident Suspicious of Their Werewolf. Creature Believed Human in Disguise. The werewolf of Defiance may not be some kind of weird animal after all. It is now being referred to by citizens as a disguised human. Reaction is varied to reports of such a large hairy creature lurking along the railroad track just two blocks from downtown. Some persons seemed shocked and a few expressed fear, 
but most persons living in a residential neighborhood along the Norfolk and Western Railroad tracks think the thing is just some nut running loose. (laughs) Two Norfolk and Western train crewmen and a truck driver told police they were approached by a beastly-looking creature that was very hairy and had fangs. One man said it hit him on the shoulder with a board. In each case, the werewolf was seen in the early morning hours between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. At first, police were skeptical about making the sightings public, but Chief Breckler said he became concerned for the safety of the people when one witness said the werewolf tried to assault him. After it was made public this week, police were called to one woman's house in a neighborhood adjacent to the train tracks. She had not seen it, but the reports about it put her in a state of shock. We don't want to scare people or give them the idea that some kind of monster is on the loose, Breckler said. He added that he feels that the werewolf may be a local person disguising themselves using a mask or costume, but police are puzzled as to what the person's motive might be. Police don't think it is robbery because the werewolf seems to scare off easily, and he hasn't approached any women, Chief Breckler said. Police also do not understand why the werewolf is so bold. All of his appearances have been in a two-block area that is thickly populated. The Norfolk and Western Depot is right in the middle of the area, and the Defiance Police Station is just a few blocks away. Hundreds of homes are on one side of the tracks, and industrial plants operate throughout the night or on the other side. Most residents are going about their daily routines apparently giving little thought to the werewolf. I haven't heard anybody talking about it, Miss Richards said. She lives in a neighborhood adjacent to the tracks, but I make sure my doors are locked at night. It just doesn't sound like something that could happen in this neighborhood, Kathy Canass said. This is probably the safest neighborhood around. I don't think the adults are scared, but it has scared a lot of children, one man who declined to identify himself said. I live in a neighborhood, and I've got children. They're on the lookout for him and anything suspicious. It don't worry me, Dale Ott, another resident of the neighborhood said. I've got kids, and I let them play out day and night. I wonder where that guy's kids are now. (laughs) Some elderly citizens of the area aren't so quick to brush off the incident. If I see him, the police are going to have to find out who he is, Rupert Figg said. That is because they'll have to take him to the hospital to get the buckshot out. None of the day shift train's crewmen seemed disturbed working where the werewolf was seen. I can't worry about it, Russell Brown said. If he's going to get you, he's going to get you. Mr. Brown said that he hears crewmen talk about the werewolf occasionally, but the topic is more popular outside the railroad yards. They say he has hair all over, and he's about seven feet tall, Mr. Brown said. From what I've heard, I can say that this guy is ugly as hell. Chief Breckler has speculated that the disguised person either lives in a neighborhood where he's seen or is riding in on one of the trains each night from another town. But everything at this stage has been purely speculation. Descriptions are too vague, Breckler said. Meanwhile, police crews have been assigned to extensive patrol of the area at night. One investigation officer speculated that the werewolf might be a night shift worker at one of the nearby industrial plants. If he works the third shift, He could be sneaking off the job and turn Wolfman, the officer said, but don't ask me why. Chief Breckler suggested that somebody might be doing it for publicity. If that's what he wants, he'll love reading the newspapers now, the chief said. Maybe he'll come back and maybe we can apprehend him. That is all I need, a Wolfman running around. (laughs) Oddly enough, another monster sighting was printed directly below this article when a Tiffin man reported a hairy ape-like beast walking near a wooded area on River Road north of Tiffin. The report said the ape was covered in hair, had wolfish ears, and fangs. 
The witness said it was six or seven feet tall and was hunched over. The witness, Harold Annan, said he ran for his car and drove off when the ape saw him. A game warden checked the area, but didn't see any tracks or any signs of disturbance after. So yeah, covered with hair, wolfish ears, and fangs. Obviously an ape, right? <laughs> Perhaps this sighting was related to the werewolf sighting in Defiance. It certainly deserves a mention despite its flaws. Unfortunately, no date was provided for this sighting. Shortly after these newspaper articles, the Defiance werewolf sightings would stop, and the case remained unsolved. No arrests were ever made, and the person or creature seemed to have moved on from the area. Paranormal investigators, it's time to start planning for your upcoming investigations and to also stock up on new ghost hunting devices. Thankfully, Ghost Stop has you covered. Ghost Stop has everything you need to advance your team's research and theories. They have digital recorders, camcorders, thermal imagers, EMF devices, laser grids, and much, much more. If you need it, they likely have it. Our team has used several Ghost Stop products over the years. Click the Ghost Stop link on this episode's information panel or on our website at cbusparanormal.com and you can browse through their extensive catalog and place your order today. By using the show's affiliate link on our player and website, you'll also be supporting our show, and this lets Ghost Stop know that we sent you. Ghost Stop, paranormal equipment made by investigators for investigators. After these sightings appeared in the local papers, werewolf fever hit the state big time. While some of these news outlets attempted to report on the sightings, others were quick to poke fun at the story and didn't take it seriously at all especially the out-of-town papers that were starting to get their own sightings and reports. The following article is from one of those reports from the Toledo Blade on August 9, 1972. Toledo and werewolf, but police disagree. Gadzooks, werewolves in Toledo? Toledo and John Shemansko, 22, on Warwick Avenue, says he saw what looked like a werewolf as he was driving on Sylvania Avenue towards Talmadge Road at about 11 p.m. Monday. The University of Toledo's pharmacy student said that the form darting in front of his car appeared to be human, with an oversized wolf-like head and elongated nose. He called police, but the operator dismissed the werewolf as a joke. If indeed he saw a werewolf, the beast must have driven here from Defiance, where last week three persons said they saw a hairy creature roaming near the downtown district. Next thing you know, someone will be saying they saw a werewolf behind the wheel of a flying saucer. Damn. <laughs> Talk about burying the story and the alleged witness's credibility. <laughs> Oddly enough, the sightings continued across the state from there. The following is from the Salem News, August 10, 1972 newspaper article. Monsters seen again in Ohio. Upper Sandusky, Ohio. That big, hairy, and ugly creature that some people think has been roaming northwestern Ohio reportedly was seen again Wednesday, this time in northern Wyandotte County. A woman motorist told the sheriff's office a big black thing jumped out of a ditch right beside her car. As was the case when officers investigated two earlier sightings of monsters in Ohio. Last month, a seven-foot hairy, ugly creature that smelled like Limburger cheese was reportedly seen in Marion County by a man who said the thing was alongside the road. A similar creature was reportedly sighted in Defiance County early in July. Now, I assure all of you guys, there are a lot of weird things going on in Marion County. 
but I'm not sure about a Limburger cheese monster. <laughs> However, this wasn't the last reported sighting of it. Our next article was from the Daily Reporter, August 14th, 1972. Another monster sighting. Whatever they saw wasn't from the zoo. Cleveland, Ohio. Spokesmen for the Cleveland Zoo have discounted the idea that one of their animals was responsible for the sightings by eight nearby residents of a monster animal more than seven feet tall and at least 360 pounds. Metropolitan Park Rangers and the Cleveland Police searched the Brookside area and zoo grounds without success after reports of the creature were made Saturday night. Patrolman Richard Brenza said bushes behind the fence on the south end of West 39th Street were matted down as if a large creature had gone through them and said it was definitely something. The area behind the fence slopes down into the park where the zoo is located. Wayne E. Lewis, 39, who was 6 feet tall and 360 pounds, said the creature was black-haired and bigger than he was. I ran into the house for my shotgun when I saw it, he said. I didn't want to call the police because it would sound like I was some kind of fool. But on the other hand, I didn't want to take any chances. Michael Taub, 19, who was visiting relatives, said the animal stood straighter than a gorilla. Richard Merrill of the zoo said the zoo's two gorillas, Timothy and Yogi, were locked up and couldn't have been responsible. Merrill discounted a neighbor's theory that it might have been an animal looking for the zoo. These people are very sincere about what they saw, Brenza said. They are scared. I guess that sighting also brings up an interesting point as well. Are some of these supposed werewolf sightings also being confused for possible Bigfoot sightings, and so forth? It's an interesting thought, and both creatures are very similar. Let's take a minute to talk about the possibility of these werewolf sightings actually being some sort of possible cryptid or monster. Previously in the episode, I briefly stated that we were going to talk about the Dogman, or Dogmen. While reports of full-blown werewolf sightings are often and obviously uncommon, <laughs> there is another cryptid that has quite a bit of a following in the area. For most of the sightings and reports that I've read, a dogman is typically described as being extremely large, about 7 foot tall, has a wolf-like appearance, and can walk and stand upright. The creature also typically gets described as having large claws on her hands and toes. These alleged creatures are often reported around various known hotspots such as Ohio, Michigan, and other surrounding states. The first believed documented encounter with this creature seems to have occurred in 1887 in Wexford County, Michigan, when two lumberjacks reported seeing a creature described as having a man's body and a dog's head. However, it is likely that these encounters were possibly happening before this printed article. By description, if it exists, I'd say that this supposed beast could be confused for the Defiance Werewolf, or vice versa. It shares a very similar appearance, size, and it's also reported fairly frequently in the close proximity of the Defiance sightings. However, I must admit that I haven't heard any reports of a dogman using a 2x4 as its club of choice. <laughs> At least not yet. I'm also pretty sure that they don't have the keen fashion sense of a werewolf in this story. That being said, I do believe the Dogman deserves an honorable mention in this case, regardless if it's real or not. Considering the reports, there are similar characteristics in its sightings. So, let's get back to our barrage of newspaper articles and monster sightings in 1972. The next article comes from the Lancaster Eagle Gazette, August 24th, 1972. Limburger Monster, Prowls Pleasantville. Oh no. 
In the 1950s, it was flying saucers. Now it's monsters. At least that is the word from Pleasantville, where a number of sightings have been made of strange creatures about in the night. Dave Moeller, 22, has had more contact with a thing than anyone. He says that on at least three different occasions, he has seen a creature that stands seven feet tall, has bright red eyes, weighs at least 400 pounds, and smells like Limburger cheese. The beast resembles a large man, according to Moeller. On Tuesday evening, the young Pleasantville man began to fear for his family's safety and moved into Lancaster. Sure enough, when he returned the next day, the house was torn up. Drapes were ripped from the rods, clothes strewn all over, and some rather valuable tools and a guitar were missing up to the tune of $395. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm not sure I believe Mr. Muller here, but it's the first time I've ever heard of a guitar-stealing werewolf. There has to be more to the story that he obviously didn't provide to the newspeople. I'm sure the local police got a kick out of that report and for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> At last report, the unidentified crawling object was prowling again, and yes, he was spotted by David Moeller himself, out to get a drink of water in his kitchen Wednesday night. Moeller says he saw the beast snooping about. And the last newspaper article for today's discussion from the Besiris Telegraph Forum on August 28, 1972. Werewolf Seen in Plymouth Plymouth residents reported that a werewolf visited the city over the weekend. He was described as weighing about 275 pounds, wearing shoes, <laughs> hairy and six feet tall. He was observed tearing a screen off of a house and scaring three 15-year-old kids to death. He is said to have fled by jumping a fence on a dead run. Plymouth joins the growing list of communities where this creature has been spotted this summer. Previous sightings were reported near Defiance, in Marion, and Wyandotte counties, and in the Tiffin area. So apparently at some point, the creature developed a love for shoes as well since the first sightings. So what is my take on the Defiance werewolf? Was it a prankster? A dogman? A full-blown werewolf? Well... Be honest, ultimately I think a prankster was behind the infamous Defiance sightings. But the story is interesting enough to survive the passage of time. It's that unsolved mystique around the story itself that seems to keep the legend going. While I've seen a few people try to piece the puzzle together on who the suspect was, including a future murderer even, I haven't seen enough proof or evidence to actually come to a full-blown conclusion for myself. I personally think the suspect or monster in this case was likely reading the local newspapers and seeing the amount of chaos they were causing. In turn, when the public notice was heightened and threats of violence started to be printed, the individual likely stopped his escapades in fear of being harmed or arrested. As with most of these older monster stories, I think the period newspapers sensationalized them quite a bit, and then the word started spreading to other parts of the state. After the fact, some people started getting paranoid with monster fever, And then suddenly everybody seemed to start having their own experiences and reporting them. Valid or not, with some people likely just wanting attention from making the local papers. With various reports suddenly coming in from all over the state. From time to time I'll see a person on social media from Defiance post about the story. And in some cases, claiming to know who it was. However, they seem to go silent when people question them about it further. Which obviously doesn't help the situation and it makes it seem like they were just seeking attention. But I would like to think that somebody out there has to know something about it by now. 
Speak up, folks. It's long past time, and we need names. I do find it odd that if the Defiance Werewolf was a hoax, how could so many people be this terrified and convinced of the monster's existence? Could the makeup and practical effects of this time period be that convincing in the dark of the night? It's honestly hard to tell. But one thing is for certain, the person or monster was certainly rather convincing to a few of the city's people at the time. Ironically, Defiance unknowingly had a future monster living in her city as well. John Crutchley, a convicted kidnapper, rapist, and likely serial killer, lived in the area during this time period as well. Crutchley was later known as the Vampire Rapist because he drained the blood of his only confirmed victim almost to her death before she escaped. Obviously, Crutchley had a long history of deranged mental issues, and the surviving victim in this case likely wasn't his first. However, it was the only crime they could officially tie him to at the time to get a conviction. Many people believe that Crutchley could have murdered more than 30 females during his lifetime. Ironically, a few years before the Werewolf of Defiance appeared, there were newspaper reports talking about a vampire terrorizing the community of Defiance along Canal Road in 1968, which is also very close to the Defiance Werewolf sightings. Local investigator Jerry Hamm recently made the connection that Crutchley, the vampire, and the werewolf might be one and the same, but this is merely speculation. I just wanted to make sure to give him credit for his theory if more information is found about this in the future. It's certainly interesting. From what I've read, Crutchley graduated from Defiance College in 1970 and also worked at the General Motors Central Foundry Division in Defiance as well, so it appears that he was possibly in the area around this time period. To make things more disturbing, he apparently had access to highly sensitive FBI and NASA files and connections. Crutchley would have been around the age of 22 at the time of the vampire sightings, and 25 at the time of the werewolf sightings. Perhaps this was the beginning of Crutchley's descent into criminal activity and madness. So while the Crescent News made fun of these sightings, a very real threat might have been the true monster behind a wolf mask in Defiance. If that's the case, the Defiance police concerns were extremely valid. But perhaps he wasn't the wolf in question. I think as a skeptical investigator, I'd like to know where Crutchley was during a time when the werewolf sightings were happening. I know he moved to Indiana sometime after his graduation, and then moved to Virginia in the mid-1970s. But was he still in defiance at the time the werewolf first appeared? I'll have to do some more digging into this and see if I can track him down during this time period. I would also be interested in knowing Crutchley's height and what his neighbors thought of him back then. It sounds like he kept to himself in his teenage years for the most part, was friendless, came from an abusive environment, and dabbled into electronics. It's also important to note that all of the victims of the werewolf attacks and sightings appeared to be male, which wouldn't fit his typical M.O. While Crutchley was obviously a disturbed individual, I'd like to see if there's more information available that could tie Crutchley to the werewolf and the vampire sightings and defiance around that time period. I will be sharing the Vampire newspaper article in the bonus content video for this episode, so be on the lookout for it on TikTok and our YouTube channel. As far as dogmen go, perhaps that'll be an investigation for another time. The concept is very similar to Bigfoot to me. It intrigues me, but I'll need to see more evidence and proof that these creatures actually exist if it's out there. I was able to visit Defiance, Ohio on October 16, 2023 
and it was really an interesting experience to see each sighting location in person. The 2x4, the reports near 5th Street, and I was even able to trace the steps of the man who thought he was being followed all the way to the Hotel Henry, which is now a church, oddly enough. Defiance is still a fairly small city to this day, and it was actually pretty easy to navigate. I was also able to spend a little time at the Fort Defiance Park and explore a little bit of the city's history. After visiting Defiance myself, I do maintain my stance that the Defiance werewolf is likely a local that wreaked quite a bit of havoc on the community for a few weeks in 1972. The railroad track itself is in the center of town, and it's pretty easy to see that most of the sightings were located very closely to it. Once the locals started to get hostile, the suspect likely read the local papers, thought better about continuing his escapades, and disappeared quietly into the background. <laughs> the other monster reports likely came from hysteria, and in some cases were likely being faked or exaggerated for a number of possible reasons. With the paranormal field, it's usually the mystery that drives investigators in our quest for further knowledge. In the case of the Defiance Werewolf, the story certainly has its flaws and speculation, but it's also that same sense of mystery and legend that keeps the story alive, and makes it a fascinating story to tell to this day, even after 50 years have now passed. While most of the Defiance community has seemingly forgotten about their alleged monster, occasionally a paranormal convention will pop up in the city to pay tribute to the story, but officially, the sightings still remain unsolved. Was the Defiance werewolf a beast or a man? In this case, it really doesn't matter. The strange tale of the Defiance werewolf will likely outlive us all. That concludes this month's episode of the Seabus Paranormal Paracast. And well, it's also the end of the season. But never fear, the show will once again rise from the grave next year. As always, thank you all for the support. If you like the show, please consider leaving it a review or share it with your friends. It truly helps to get the show new listeners and supporters. That being said, it's time to seal the lid on Season 2. And I'll see you all again sometime soon. Thank you for listening.